Hi and welcome to the Church Unlimited podcast. Church Unlimited is a vibrant, Bible-based church in North Lakes, Queensland that is passionate about helping people discover the genuine love of Jesus. If you are currently looking for a new home church, we'd love for you to join us for Sunday worship at either our 10am or 4pm service. For more information about our Sunday service or to find out how we can best help you, head to our website at churchunlimited.com.au. We hope you enjoy this great message from Sunday service. Welcome to church this morning. I'd like to um, hey, just pass on a hello and, and love from Pastor James and Paula, our senior pastors. They are up celebrating in Cairns this weekend because I, I don't know if you would be aware of this, but nine years ago, they planted a church up in Cairns. Uh, that has just been going from strength to strength. And after nine years, they're now up there celebrating that for the first time ever, they have their own facility to worship in. I just think that's cool. That this, and it's a fantastic place. It's going to be an, a place where people are going to go, uh, be able to gather and worship. They're going to hear the word preached. They're going to find faith and life in Jesus Christ. That's going to be a place where for generations... People are going to be able to put their faith in Christ. I just think that's it's powerful that the, the church can have a facility like that that brings honor to God and just creates opportunity for His body to, to do what they're called to do, to preach the gospel, to love people and to gather together. I think that's really cool. And I think it's actually really, it's really fitting actually that they're up celebrating a legacy of their leadership. While today I'm here preaching about the, the fact that every single one of us is being called to live a life of legacy. Uh, last week we began a series where we've been looking at the life of Daniel the prophet from the Old Testament, not me. Um, I've got some good things to say, but nothing like him. <sighs> and last week we talked about the personal convictions that Daniel had and how his personal, personal convictions positioned him to lead a life of influence in the place that God had placed him. Uh, I, I love that he shows us that your personal convictions can actually influence the circumstances around you. And those that, understand, those that would lead need to understand that what God's doing within you is more significant than what the world is trying to do around you. The prophet Daniel is an excellent example in Scripture. He lived a life of character and conviction that positioned him for influence and allowed God to do incredible things through him. Uh, last week we saw, just very quickly as a recap, that Daniel had four key convictions that we unpacked in Scripture. Firstly, this one has the funniest name. It's a conviction that I'll eat different food because our diet matters. But really, that's talking about the fact that Daniel chose to live a life that was set apart. He wasn't going to just do what everybody else did. He wasn't going to sustain himself the way that everybody else did. But he said, I'm going to live a life that honors God in everything that I do. And I'm going to choose to sustain myself on the things that will honor God. Secondly, he had a conviction that he will act with compassion. In the same way that God has loved me, I will love others. Daniel, who would have had every opportunity to carry a bit of spirit, chose to still love and act with compassion towards the people around him. Thirdly, he had a, con a conviction that I will worship publicly. I will be who God has called me to be in every situation, in front of every person. I'm going to live a life that loves God and honors him and gives him glory in every situation. And finally, we talked about the fact that Daniel had a conviction that he will live for only for God's approval. I'm not motivated by recognition or reward from other people. I'm choosing to live the life that God has called me to do. And I'm living for the day that he would say, well done, good, faithful servant. And these convictions, living according to the, these convictions, actually positioned Daniel to be able to have influence. It made him the kind of person that God said, you know what, I can use you, Daniel. And I'm going to use you to do incredible things 
that will bring me glory. And it wasn't because he was ambitious. It wasn't because he was powerful. It was simply because he was submitted to be the kind of God, man that God had called him to be. And so God said, I can use that. And he did. But this week, I want to talk about living a life of legacy. Because if to lead is to understand that what's within you can influence that which is around you. A legacy, a person that will leave, live, a, live a life of legacy, that's a lot of L's, determines that my life will not only influence around me, but my life will be given to equip and to encourage others to do the same. My life can inspire others to also live a life of influence in the place that God has put them. You know, the battles that you win can and will create freedom for others to walk in. The doors that you open will become a pathway that others can follow behind. Your influence is not only for the here and now, but it's for the over there and the days to come. Just in the same way that Pastor James and Paula are leading a church here, and we're seeing God doing incredible things, but they are able to celebrate that nine years ago, they planted a church that's still growing, still seeing people saved, and still, still doing incredible things for God in the city of Cairns. That's a legacy that they could be proud of. And I trust that every single one of us will be able to look back on our life and say, there's a legacy behind me, a legacy of faithfulness, a legacy of, of just being available to do what God has called me to do, a legacy that says that there's people that have, are living a life in faith, living a life in hope, living a life with a future in God because of the choices that I've made today. I just think that would be incredible. And I know you do too. So I want to ask you, really, across this sermon, I want you to be thinking what are the choices that you're making today? What are the pathways that you are creating that will bring freedom and blessing for people that follow behind you? Because these are important questions that we all should be asking ourselves. Because the alternative is a life that, well, doesn't really make a difference at all, makes no impact, changes little around us, doesn't leave people following like us. And, you know, I understand at times, I understand feeling like it would be difficult to lead, leave a lasting impact on the world around us. You know, it's so different. It's so difficult to believe that I could be a change agent. It's so difficult to believe that God could even work through me to do something incredible in my workplace or in my family or amongst my friends. But I really think that Daniel shows us that God can and will do incredible things. God will leave a legacy through your life if you just make, him, make yourself available. Because he could have given up. I mean, Daniel had every right to give up. His people had been defeated in battle. He'd been carried off into captivity. He lived amongst the most evil and pagan people that he could imagine. He didn't even know their languages, and he could not and would not relate to their customs. It would have been so simple to just go, you know what? I'll just see out my days here and do the best that I can. But I'll, you know, I'm going to give up. I'm going to walk. I'm not, not a practicing Jew anymore. I've been defeated. I'll give up on who I am, on why I exist, what I believe that I'm called to do. I'll just get by. But because Daniel was a man of conviction, he could not. Daniel chose to live according to the life that God had called him to live. So let me ask you this. How could we be any different today? How could I be any different to Daniel today? We who have been called by God we who have been filled with the Holy Spirit, the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives within you. He's filled you with boldness. He's commissioned you to go into all the world to preach the gospel. 
He says, I've given you my power and my authority. Go and declare the good news. Jesus said, go and live like a light in a dark world. He said to set the captives free, to set the oppressed free, to heal the sick and release prisoners. He promised that signs and wonders would follow every person that preached the gospel. It should be absolutely nothing ordinary about the life of a Christian. Those that have been called by God to bring his kingdom to earth the way that it is in heaven now. You were meant to make a difference around you. So if your life is a little quiet and a little boring, there's not much going on, stop it. That's on you. There is no excuse for boring and ineffective Christians today because the Holy Spirit is at work to do an incredible thing in your life. If you aren't making a difference in the lives of your friends, if you aren't making an impact in your workplace, if people aren't noticing that God is working through your life, it's time to wake up and ask God, why? It's time to choose that I'll live a life that will make a difference for me, for my family, for my loved ones, maybe a difference in this community. Maybe you could even start to believe that God would work through me to make a difference across the world. Do you think he could? I believe he could. So choose. I will live like Daniel lived. That there will be a legacy of influence that follows after my life. I imagine it like ripples working out from a stone dropped in a pond. That ripple after ripple after person after story. There's going to be any testimonies of God's goodness that began with me and worked out and out and out. So that more and more people would find life. More and more people would find hope. More and more people would find an eternal future with God because of decisions that I made today. I mean, let's face it, we don't call ourselves church boring, do we? We're not church ineffective or powerless. I didn't welcome you to church, can't make a difference in the community today. (laughs) We are church unlimited because God is unlimited. His church and His kingdom is unlimited. Can you start to believe that God at work in you is unlimited as well? I hope you're going to choose to live a life that's just a little bit more unlimited, that your mindset would be a little bit more free and unlimited today, that you would start to open your eyes and see what God would do in your life, through your life, in the lives of your friends and family as you simply made yourself available for Him to use. Now, just because settle myself down a little bit and get back on track, because if I get off track, who knows where we'll go. Today, I want to explain to you that I'm going to look at three aspects of Daniel's life that positioned him to to live a life of legacy, that positioned him so that the story didn't just stop with him, but it continued on through generations, across nations, so that even today, we are studying his life and being blessed and encouraged by what God was doing through him. And they're all very simple. Three things. And the first one is, I can be present. And not a present, be present. Have you, ever, have you ever got home after a long day at work? Maybe the kids were around, maybe they weren't, but you've just said, I just, I don't want to be present right now. I'll just look at my phone for a moment. I don't want to engage. I just, let me just be me for a minute. That's how a lot of people try to live their entire lives. God is doing something incredible in your life and he's placed you exactly where you are for a purpose. But it's almost like we live like we're not truly present in that situation. 
But Daniel decided that I will live in a way that makes a difference in the world around me. And we unpacked some of the convictions that positioned him to do this. He knew that he was an Israelite. He knew that he was one of the people of God. And an Israelite's entire purpose was to give God glory and to show people what it looked like to live a life that honoured him. And I love the way that despite being carried out of his nation, he postured himself to, have an, to be present and to have an influence wherever God had placed him. Because he knew if God had brought him here, God had a purpose for him right in that place. And from the very beginning, we see Daniel start to position himself, start to posture himself to remain in the will of God and to bring honor to God in every single thing that he did. And because of this, God gave Daniel extraordinary wisdom, extraordinary understanding. No one was Daniel's equal in all the land. I mean, if you, if you picture Babylon at the time, you probably can't because we've not been there. But just, uh, just imagine this, like, it's, imagine Brisbane. You're living in Brisbane. It's the center of culture for the nation, right? Right? Daniel was in the midst of the center of culture of his time. The place where all the best and the brightest gathered. They studied. They taught. They provided insight to the king. They, made, they set direction for the nation. Yet as intelligent, intelligent and as capable as every other person was in the city of Babylon, Daniel was better. None were his equal. That's what the Bible says. Nothing compared to the wisdom and the understanding that Daniel carried. If Daniel was a painting, he was a Da Vinci masterpiece all across the ceiling. Generations will look at him. And compared to him, every other wise man and magician was just like the, you know, the finger painting that we get from kids' church. It'll live on the fridge for a week, and then when they're not looking, it's in the bin, because it's precious. If Daniel had been an NRL player, Wally Lewis, the king, that's who he was. There's statues in his honor. Every other wise man was just like the under-8s team that just kind of ran part, you know, just flocked around the ball, having fun. But when Daniel spoke, people listened. When there was a question to be asked, everybody else could have a go. But really, everybody was just waiting to hear what Daniel would say because his wisdom and his understanding was, there was nobody that had anything like it. You know, I was thinking about Daniel. I was thinking about the fact that he was an Israelite in captivity. I was thinking about that his, the fact that his wisdom and his understanding was a divine gift from God. Because of the way, the way that he chose to honor God, God said, I'm going to give you wisdom and understanding like nobody else. And I was surprised as I thought about it, that Daniel would make it available in the city of Babylon. God had gifted him. God had made him talented. God was at work through his life. Self-respecting Jew probably would have said, you know what? This, this gift from God has no place in this pagan culture. I'll just keep it to myself. You know, I'll just... There's no, the gifts of God are not needed in the courts of Babylon. I'll just keep that to myself. But Daniel didn't live like that. What did he say? With everything that God is doing through me, I will be present and available that God would use me. And so he made the wisdom that God gave him available, even to who, the person that he could have considered the most evil leader of the time, King Nebuchadnezzar, because he understood that God's, if God's put this on my life, it's for a purpose and a reason, and so I'm going to allow him to use it. I probably would have been there like, oh, look, I'll impress you with one act of wisdom, and then, but sneakily, I'm going to give you bad advice along the side that, you know, you might be your own downfall. But Daniel didn't. He brought the best wisdom every single day. He brought God's breath to that situation because that's who he was. He used his God-given wisdom and understanding 
to help bring prosperity to the nation. He used his wisdom and his understanding to guide their laws and help them create good plans. He used his God-given wisdom and understanding to direct the nation of Babylon along good paths that they would prosper. I think we can all learn from this. And it makes me ask, am I bringing my best in every place that God has put me? Am I using everything that God has given me to bless and prosper the people around him? And I don't just mean here at church, but are you in your workplace saying, God, will you speak to me? Give me wisdom. Give me guidance so that I can be the best in my workplace. Help me bring uh, direction to this company. Help me bring blessing and favor to its people. Help me change the atmosphere. Help me reset the culture so it begins to honor you in everything that we do. Are you asking, Holy Spirit, today I've got a big meeting. I need you to give me wisdom and insight. I need you to give me a word of knowledge that's just going to speak into this situation and bring direction for this company. Because God wants to use you to do incredible things exactly where he's placed you. Or are you holding back? Are you saying, you know what, I'll just, I'll take myself out of the fight. I'll let what will be, will be. I'll let life pass me by. I'll just, I'll do the bare minimum. And man, I'm looking forward to the weekend. Or could you choose, I'm going to speak up with wisdom and understanding. I'm going to choose to bring everything that God has placed on my life to bless and prosper those that are around me. Because as I do that, I trust it's going to give God glory. It's going, to be, it's, it's going to lift him up in this place. And maybe people will start to see that it's not me that's doing it, it's God at work within me, bringing blessing and favor. So could you choose today that I won't be somebody that just follows along with the crowd? I won't do the bare minimum. I'll choose to be a, somebody that leads and contributes. I'll lead people to righteousness. Because God's done that in my life. Now, I realize I've just thrown a lot of thoughts and questions your way. But honestly, I want you to start to think. And this applies to every area of your life. Maybe it applies in your family or in your work. Maybe it applies even here at church. Are you passive in the background? Or are you choosing to be present wherever God has placed you? Am I choosing to actively engage in the world around me, in my sphere of influence, in my family, with my children, even with those colleagues at work that I don't quite get along with? And am I looking for ways to bring influence that I could bless and prosper them, that I could honor God, that I could further his kingdom wherever he has placed me? You know, there's a time in you, when you read in Daniel chapter 2 where King Nebuchadnezzar has had a dream and he needs somebody to bring an interpretation. But he doesn't trust the wise men of the time. He's like, oh, they're just going to, if I tell them what the dream is, they're just going to give me an interpretation that I'll really like. And so, you know, they'll get something out of it. So he tells, he tells everybody, look, I need an interpretation from this dream, but catch is, I'm not going to tell you what the dream is. And to be honest, none of the wise men of the time could answer it because they didn't know. And now Daniel had just recently arrived in Babylon. He wasn't one of the king's advisors yet. He hadn't proven himself. And if I had been Daniel, do you know what I would have done? Good luck. Now, now everybody's going to see what you are, fakes. Now everybody's going to know that you're not really wise. You're, just, you're going to fail. And I'm going to sit back and laugh because I'm a captive out of Israel and you're my captors. But Daniel didn't because he was driven by compassion, right? He, and he was driven to be involved in the circumstances. So despite not having any kind of skin in the game, he said, you know, I'm going to get involved. I'm actually, I'm so moved by compassion for every wise man and magician that's going to lose their life over this, that I'm going to trust that God will speak to me. I'm going to go to the king myself 
and tell him that I'll find the, I'll find the dream. God will speak to me and I'll give you a faithful interpretation. And so he does exactly that. He was motivated to be involved in the circumstances around him. He chose to use the wisdom that God had given him to bless others and to save their life and to honor God. And as a result of that, God spoke through him, God directed the king, and God placed Daniel in a position of opportunity. Because Daniel was willing to use what God had given him, God was able to position him to do so much more in the future as well. But it began with this decision. You know what? I think I could help over there. I'll go and do it. What are the circumstances in your life today? Well, maybe you've been sitting on a back foot and just watching. Maybe you've even been taking a little bit of um, satisfaction in the fact that it's not working. Don't tell me, though. <laughs> Where is your opportunity to say, today? What could God do through me that would help that circumstance? How could God speak through me so that I could bless and encourage? What's my part to play? Because if God has put me here, if God has made me aware of it, God's put it on my heart so that I can do something in that situation. Let's not be passive. Let's choose to be active. Let's be present in the situations that God put us in so that we can bring Him glory and lead people towards Him. Cool. The very first one. It's very easy. I will choose to be present. Wherever God has placed me, that's the place that he wants to use me. So I'm going to actively engage. The second lesson that I learned from the life of Daniel is to be visible. I will be an example that others can follow. Because not only did Daniel influence the world around him, not only did Daniel personally influence nations and kings, he became an example and a pattern that others followed in as well. Maybe you're familiar with the story of um, the three men that got thrown into a furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Rakshak and Benny, it's easier. Thank you, VeggieTales. <laughs> well, there's, there's this story in Daniel chapter 4, where these three men, uh, they're put in this position where they have to choose whether they'll honor God or they'll honor the king. Because the king... King Nebuchadnezzar, I think he'd been counting his money one day and he realized he had a whole bunch of spare gold. And so what do you do with your spare gold? You turn it into a statue of yourself, a bit like Wally Lewis. Um, but he, he builds this statue and he puts it out in the courtyard. And he says, that's pretty cool. You know what? I'm going to invite everybody around. We're going to have a party. And, and then he tells them, and once everybody's gathered, he says, what? when the music plays, here's what you've got to do. Because I'm such an incredible king. Every time the music plays, I want you to bow down and worship me. And so the music plays and everybody bows. And King Nebuchadnezzar loves the fact that everybody's worshipping him in this moment. But then the report comes back. King, those three over there, they didn't bow. Rakshak and Benny. Everybody else bowed, but they did not bow. And so he calls them over. He's furious because they're dishonoring him. They're, they're choosing to not worship him. They're choosing to not give him what he believes is due. Is due. And then this is what they say. It's actually in Daniel chapter 3, not 4. Uh, starting in verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. We are thrown, uh, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hands. But even if he doesn't, we want you to know, Your Majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you've set up. 
It's king. Obviously, the king's like, that's cool. Just go. No, he's furious. So he tells everybody, make the fire hotter. Make it hotter again. He ties them up and he throws them in. The fire is so hot that it actually kills the men that are throwing Shadrach and Benny into there. But then the reports come back. King, they're still standing. I can see now, there's three, no, there's four people walking around in the furnace. And one of them looks to be like the son of God. And so the king calls them out and they come back and they tell him, look, it's, we're cool. Um, that's probably exactly what they said. Uh, no, the Bible says that there was no, their, their hair was not burnt, their clothes were not burnt. There wasn't even the smell of smoke upon them. And the king acknowledges, your God must have protected you. Everybody, here's the new rule, every single one of us has to give honor to the God of these men, the one true God. As a result of this little story, these three men were promoted to higher offices. They'd done, they had cho- chosen to do what God had, could do through them, and God had positioned them for more. But not only that, the whole nation received glory. Now, you think that this is a strange little standalone story in the book of Daniel, but it's not, because this isn't the first time that we hear these names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, this story is actually the ripple effect of a decision that Daniel made back in chapter 1. Uh, in Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, it says this, Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. So Daniel had a conviction, and he made a decision. But then if you read in verse 11 and 12, it says this, Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, that's Shadrach, Mishael, that's Meshach, and Azariah, Abednego, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. So we see that Daniel had a conviction. He made a decision and others, because of that decision, chose to join him. He became a pattern for them to follow. Others decide to join. Then if you read in verse 19, it says, the king talked to them and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Meshach, or Azariah. That's the three. And so they all entered the king's service. Daniel made a decision. Others followed along in his pattern, and God blessed them all. We see that, da- well, Rakshak and Benny actually existed in this story as an example of what can happen when one man chooses to follow God and then becomes a pattern for others to follow afterwards. What began as a conviction with Daniel continued on as a pattern for others to follow. And as a result, they all determined to live God-honoring lives. They were all blessed with unusual wisdom, and they were all positioned to influence their world in significant ways. You know, every single one of us has the same opportunity to be an example for those that are around us. You're an example in your family. Your kids are always watching, never when you want them. You're an example in your workplace. You're an example here at church. Everywhere you go, you're an example to those who look on. Daniel was an incredible example. I mean, he could have been an example of what it was like to live a defeated life, but he wasn't. He chose to remain available to God, to honor him in everything, expectant of what God might do. Daniel could have been an example of arrogance, being the, most, uh, the man with the most wisdom and understanding in all of the nation, but he wasn't. He was an example of humility, willing to serve even evil leaders. Daniel could have been bitter because of all that life had thrown his way, but he was full of compassion. He was not afraid. He was, he was bold, willing to step forward. 
and act in faith. Uh, He was not compromising, but rather he was disciplined. He chose to live a life that publicly and always honoured God. He was not worldly. He didn't trust in his own strength, but he was an example of what it looked like to seek the face of God time and time again. What sort of example are you living in your family right now? What sort of example are you living in your workplace? Are you an example that inspires people to follow God and and, and know Jesus personally? Are Are you an example that inspires people to live a life of bold faith? Are you an example of inspiring people to be kind and compassionate to the people, the, the, the world around you? Do you inspire people to worship publicly? What's the example like even here as you gather in the safest place you can possibly imagine to worship? Are you an example of bold and passionate worship, of submission and service? Or are you an example of sitting back and watching? Don't waste the opportunities that God gives you. Be intentional about your life and set an example that others can follow. Choose that despite what's happening around you, you will live according to what God is doing within you. So why don't you ask God today, who are my followers? Who's my Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Who are the people that I could start to bring along on a journey and be an example for that they too could start to live a life that honors God and influences the world for His kingdom? Where are the ones that I can take on a journey of devotion after Jesus Christ. You see, Daniel didn't just make an impact, though, in his immediate circumstances. And his legacy goes beyond just those three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I think because of Daniel's desire to hear the voice of the Lord, his willingness to seek his presence, Daniel was also given a prophetic voice that we still study to this day. The third lesson that I learned from the life of Daniel is that I should be heard. I will prophesy and declare the word of the Lord. You know, there were times in Daniel's life where he literally, his life depended upon hearing the voice of God. Even in that, the example of going before the king to, to bring him the interpretation of a dream that he'd never heard. He, could, he needed to hear the voice of God in that moment. His life relied upon it. Daniel needed God to reveal, speak to him, so that he could in turn reveal the meaning to the king. Time and time again, we, hear, we see Daniel hearing the word of God and responding to it. And he used it to prophesy over people and over nations. Daniel used what, the things that God spoke to him to influence the here and now and into the future as well. I love that when Daniel received revelation from God, he spoke it over people. It's one thing to hear from God and have a bit of an impression of what God might do, But geez, it is powerful when we choose to speak it over people, when we choose to speak it over our circumstances, when we choose to declare the will of God over the world around us. Um, Daniel received revelation about King Nebuchadnezzar. He interpreted a dream and he says, King, God is going to cause you to live like an animal for seven years until such time as your heart turns towards him. He warned him that, but then he spoke and he said, but would you turn your heart towards him now that you would know him, that he would cause you to prosper? Daniel, was, Daniel, Daniel interpreted Darius's dream, the destruction of na- the nation, and he warned him. But there's another story that I love. There's a, it doesn't feature much in, much in the book of Daniel, but Jesus creates an imp- incredible picture of the way that Daniel's heart was to declare the word of the Lord over people. There's a time with King Cyrus 
and the scroll of Isaiah. Now, at the end of Daniel's life, um, he's been ministering in Babylon for near on 70 years, which God had told him was the time that the captivity would last. Um, He's been ministering for a time and there's a new king, King Cyrus, the king over all Babylon. And as 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 he begins to rule, I think Daniel is reminded of the scroll of Isaiah and he's reading it and he's studying it because it's the word of the Lord. And this is what it says in Isaiah chapter 44, verse 28. It says, I am the Lord who says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd and will accomplish all that I please. He will say of Jerusalem, let it be rebuilt and of the temple, let its foundations be laid. Now you've got to understand that Isaiah wrote this about 150 years before Daniel lived. So this is an old scroll. And in Isaiah 45, 13, he says, I'll raise up Cyrus in my righteousness. I'll make all his ways straight. He will rebuild my city and he'll set my exiles free, but not for a price or reward, says the Lord Almighty. I think Daniel was reading this scroll and God illuminated to it. He says, that's Cyrus, the king that you serve. And based upon that word of the Lord, I love what Daniel did. He didn't sit there and go, oh, well, I'll watch and see how you do this. Daniel didn't sit back and say, I wonder how God's going to cause this situation to work out. I reckon what he did was he grabbed the scroll of Isaiah that he'd been studying that night and he, and, he, and he ran into the presence of the king, Cyrus. And he says, King Cyrus, I've been studying the scriptures. God's 150 years ago, a prophet Isaiah, one of our people prophesied that God would raise up a king called Cyrus and he would set the, the Israelites free. He'd release them to go back to their nation. I think he declared the word of the Lord that God had revealed to him over King Cyrus, inviting him to respond, encouraging him to be the man that God had already ordained that he would be. Instead of waiting back for something to happen, Daniel decided if God had revealed this to me, it's for a purpose. I'm going to do something about it. And as a result of this, King Cyrus decreed every Jew is able to return home the, nation of the, the city of Jerusalem can be rebuilt. And we see the account of the, the nation of Israel being reestablished and rebuilt. But it began with Daniel receiving a revelation from God and choosing to speak it into existence, choosing to speak it over King Cyrus, calling King Cyrus to be the kind of man that God had written about 150 years ago, that God had already ordained it to be. God revealed to Daniel... And Daniel spoke it and called people higher. And not only that, God revealed to Daniel incredible details about the future of the world, about nations rising and falling and kingdoms and empires that we still study to this day. But you know, in in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2 to 3, it says this, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow... Wait for it, it will surely come. It will not delay. I love that Daniel wrote down every single one of his dreams and revelations. Daniel Daniel documented the things that God spoke to him. Daniel spoke them out to the people around him. And if I was to summarize them, because if you read through the dreams of Daniel, they're pretty weird. There's like spinning flames with seven horns and 11 eyes, and I can't even, my mind can't get around them. So just, that's cool. But if I was to summarize the prophetic voice of Daniel that has been written down for us, it says it would be like kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall, that God's will reigns over all eternity, 
no matter what's happening around you, God is going to return and he will set everything right. And everybody that trusts in him will be saved. Daniel's prophetic dreams were more than just an encouragement. There's something that we can study and hold on to today. And they even, they even point towards Jesus himself. Um, have you ever read in the Gospels where Jesus is talking about himself and he says, the Son of Man will do this and the Son of Man will do that? And you think, well, Jesus really likes to identify with his human nature. What, every time Jesus calls himself the Son of Man, he's actually linking himself to a prophecy that Daniel wrote 400 years ago. If you read in Daniel 7, verse 13 and 14, Daniel writes this. He says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, languages would serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. Every time Jesus said, I'm the son of man. He's saying, I'm that. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one that's going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to go before my father and he is going to give me rulership and dominion over everything. And it will last forever. Jesus himself was linking back to the prophetic words of Daniel. And it all began with this. Daniel had a heart that said, I will listen for the word of the Lord and then I'll speak it out and I'll write it down. What God says to me will be heard by those around me. What God's revealing to me is for a purpose for the people around me as well. I will speak. I will declare. I will be heard. Take stock for a moment. What are the words that you speak into being around you like right now? What are the words that you speak over your family? What are the words that you're speaking over your friends and your loved ones? Are you speaking words of life or are you speaking words of death? In Proverbs 18, 21, it says the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. Are you mindful? Are you intentional about the words that you speak? You know, I still remember, and this is a very random story, no doubt, <clears throat> as most of mine tend to be, but I remember when I was about 10 years old, and I was helping my dad. He was fixing the old hills hoist um, clothesline. And it was one of the heavy galvanized ones, and the arm had broken down, probably because some enthusiastic young person had been swinging on it, and probably that's why he was helping to fix it. And I was, my job was to hold the bro said broken arm up in the air until such time as my dad could firmly reattach it in. And what it, it was taking a long time. And as 10-year-olds, I was com probably complaining, it's too heavy, it's too hard, and it was drooping down. And I, oh. But there was a moment where my dad said to me, something along, to, along the lines of, son, stop complaining that it's heavy. You were made strong. You were made to do hard work. You were made to be able to, you can do this easily. And I'm sure that was just a throwaway line for him. But you know, there has been a defining aspect in my life where I've just understood that I'm made to be strong and capable. And, that, you know, if my dad said that over my life, that's definitely who I am. And that's the kind of life that I'll, I'll, I'll believe that I can do that and more. I'll believe that I can take the challenge. That, that has just become a bit strange enough from a throwaway line, fixing a clothesline, has become a defining aspect of my identity that I can hold on to. 
There's also been words spoken over my life that I've had to intentionally let go of because they don't serve me. They might, in fact, hurt me or limit me. And I've had to be intentional about choosing to let go of them and find new words from God as well. I don't think there would be a person in this room today that doesn't understand the power that words spoken over our lives can hold, both for good and for bad. We, every single one of us, have the potential and the opportunity to build up, to strengthen, to encourage, or to tear down, destroy, and and steal life from people. So all I want to ask is this. Do you know where your words are flowing from? Do you know where the words you speak to your loved ones are coming from? Do you know where the words you speak in your workplace are coming from? Are you seeking God for His words to start to declare over children, over your spouse, over your family? What are the words that you speak over those colleagues that you see every single day? Are you just wasting words? Are you just throwing them around, not caring about the consequences that they might carry? Or could you choose to be like Daniel? This is, I'm going to seek the face of God. I'm going to listen for his voice and I'm going to ask for divine wisdom and understanding that will speak life into this situation. Daniel read a scroll from 150 years ago and found a calling for a king and was able to influence nations. What secrets could God start to unlock in those around you as you seek his face and say, God, how can I start to prophesy over them, that I could build them up, that I could encourage them, that I could comfort them. God, how do you see them? And how can I start to call that out of them? God, what have you got ahead of them that I could start to prepare and equip them for? God, what am I not seeing right now that I could start to speak into existence? Now, you could do it over people. You could start to do it over your family. You could start to do it over the business that you work in. You could start to do it over this church. Now, we're believing that this is a year of harvest. How are you starting to believe that God is going to bring people to find salvation in Jesus Christ? How are you starting to believe that God has placed people around your life that you could call them in to find life and hope in Jesus Christ? How are you starting to declare what God is doing in you to those that are around you? You know, it could begin with something as simple as just getting baptized. If you, if you haven't been, if you've been following Jesus, if you've said yes to Jesus, but you've not yet had a moment where you've said publicly to the people around me, I'm declaring that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I'm declaring that it's no longer I that lives, it's Him that lives with me. I'm declaring that my life will give Him glory and honor. Why not? If you haven't yet, why don't you come and talk to me after the service or Pastor Brad about beginning a habit of declaring all that God has done in your life. You start to speak it over yourself, speak it over your family, start to release the will of God over your circumstances. That's what happens when I get off my notes. But it's going to require you to press into God. It's going to require you to seek His face and listen for His voice. It's going to require some conviction and discipline to live that kind of life. But it simply, it all boils down to this simple understanding. You were made to influence this world for the kingdom of God. God has called you and commissioned you to go, to make disciples, to see the lost saved, to release the captives and heal the sick. 
your life is meant to be an adventure of following after Jesus with everything that you do. Why sit back and be passive? Why choose to be ineffective or irrelevant or even just boring? Choose to live a life of bold faith, pursuing the things of God. You're no accident and you're not unnecessary. You are called of God to live a life that honors God, blesses others and furthers his kingdom. And you can influence your world now and for days to come. In a moment, we'll close. But just as we do, I wanted to take a moment, I suppose, even now to honour Pastor Alan and Marion Ralph, who are sitting here quietly, nodding at me, but also concerned about what I'm about to say. But whether you, whether you would know it or not, they planted this church, was it 28 years ago? Quite a while ago, anyway. And we sit here as a legacy of seeds that they sowed and faithful prayers that they prayed, and a belief that God would do something incredible in this place. I'm looking forward to the day where I can sit back and look at a legacy of fruitfulness in my own life. I'm inspired and encouraged by you, and I pray God's blessing over you, because there's more ahead. But for every single one of us, shouldn't that be our prayer? God, would you do something in me now that is going to impact generations? that's going to transform futures, bring life and hope in places that I can't even imagine it right now. And it would just be an overflow of all, just what you're doing in my life. As I position myself to honor you and love you and serve you, and I make myself available to be used by you. Thanks for joining us. We hope that you enjoyed this message. We pray that you and your family are richly blessed by the love and grace of Jesus. If you're ever in the area, we would love for you to join us for Sunday worship.